fentanyl right now is the largest killer of individuals between the ages of 18 and 45. It exceeds all of the causes of death. Every 8.57 seconds, somebody dies of a fentanyl overdose. How does that happen? Because we don't see it. Our audience, you know, if you're not in it, if you're not in the network. Fentanyl can be manufactured almost anywhere. I, I just talked to the mayor of San Francisco yesterday, told me that fentanyl's being manufactured in, in her city. The user doesn't want to kill themselves. They just don't know that fentanyl is incorporated into the drug. My guest today is Tom Omberg, member of California State Senate. He was a former federal prosecutor and served as the deputy drug czar under President Bill Clinton. California has been trying to pass stricter laws to deal with fentanyl, but the bills died in the Public Safety Committee over the past couple of years. The purpose is to keep other people from dying. And young people sometimes think they're immortal. They think, oh, one pill is not going to hurt me. Well, one pill can kill you. There's not a community in California that's not impacted by fentanyl right now. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome to California Insider. Tom, it's great to have you on. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. Got a lot of important subjects to discuss. Yeah, we want to talk to you about fentanyl, and we've been covering homelessness a lot on this show, and a lot of our guests have been telling us that fentanyl is now a big cause of people in the street overdosing, mm -hmm. dying. Can you tell us more about what's going on with fentanyl? Sure. Um, well, you're right. Uh, fentanyl affects everyone, uh, and sometimes folks who become addicted to um, certain substances, they become homeless. And so, or homeless people, in order to relieve their, their situation, may take something like oxycodone or some other painkiller that actually is laced with fentanyl. But here in Orange County and all around California, fentanyl doesn't particularly impact one demographic necessarily. Um, it is the largest killer. Fentanyl right now is the largest killer of individuals between the ages of 18 and 45 exceeds car accidents, exceeds all other sources, all other causes of, of death. How does that happen? Do people want to get into it or how, how do they people? Well, the reason for the large number of deaths is that often um, certain drugs, methamphetamine, oxycodone, other things are laced with fentanyl and the user doesn't want to kill themselves. They just don't know that fentanyl is incorporated into the, into the drug and as a consequence, they'll take it. And fentanyl is very, very, very powerful. It's a hundred times more powerful, for example, than morphine. And so just taking one pill can kill you. And young people sometimes think they're immortal. They think, oh, one pill is not going to hurt me. Well, one pill can kill you. Now, do the dealers not tell them? How, how does that happen? I think it's all sorts of things. I think sometimes the dealers don't know. Sometimes the dealers do know and don't care. Uh, the manufacturer, the manufacturer uh, may cut in fentanyl, may include fentanyl in the drug because it's not expensive to make and it is very, very, very potent. Um, and so there's a variety of a variety of um, issues that surround fentanyl distribution. Can you explain to us how does all this work? So you know you have the the drug dealers. You know they some of them not know it, some of them may know it. And how does this whole process work? Fentanyl can be manufactured almost anywhere. I, I just talked to the mayor of San Francisco yesterday, told me that fentanyl's being manufactured in, in her city. Most of the fentanyl here coming in the United States right now 
is manufactured in Mexico. It's not that expensive to make. Um, you can get a pill making machine and you um, have someone who's somewhat sophisticated in chemistry and they can put together either a fentanyl pill or a pill that someone thinks is, for example, methamphetamine that, that is laced or cut with fentanyl. Then it comes across the border, or it can be manufactured here, but lots of it comes, comes in the United States, either through or around the border, and then it's distributed here. It's distributed in the same way that other drugs have been distributed, but the difference is that it's, it, it is, it's not like marijuana. Marijuana you know, takes a, a large, um, it's, it's, it's large in terms of volume. Fentanyl is very, very small, very, very small. So it's, it's much easier to uh, import in the United States. So it's essentially, it seems like it's easier to make, it's cheaper, and it's easier to transport. Is right, that and that's why it is such a difficult drug to get a hold of in terms of law enforcement, such a difficult drug to um, cut the supply. Um, law enforcement is a difficult time tracking down both the suppliers as well as the distributors, so. This episode is sponsored by Birchgold. The lightning fast collapse of Silicon Valley Bank is getting every saver worried. This is the second biggest bank failure in US history and the deep impact hasn't come yet. So the question is, how could you protect yourself against the uncertainty? Quick answer, gold. Buy gold and get a free safe to store it in. That's right, on qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group, now through March 31st, they'll ship a free safe directly to your door. Visit birchgold.com California to get your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe. Here's the deal. The Fed keeps raising interest rates because it's the only tool they have to keep inflation under control and it's not working. Hedge inflation by owning gold, whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an IRA in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax shelter retirement account. Birch Gold has an a rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Visit birchgold.com California for your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, visit birchgold.com slash California. Now let's go back to the interview. Now can you tell us more about the impacts of, so this is coming, it, uh, we, we are seeing that it's more and more of this fentanyl is coming yeah. here. No, the impacts are huge. Um, as I said, it, it is the largest killer of people between the ages of 18 and 45 currently. It goes beyond every other, every other cause. Every, I believe it's every 8.57 seconds, somebody dies of a fentanyl overdose here in the United States. In California, we're seeing it increasing exponentially over the last few years. And so um, it's our responsibility in the legislature to do something about it. And going now to the legislature, this bill was introduced, uh, I, I think similar bills were introduced a year ago and it unfortunately didn't get right. through. I think that's right, and, and in fact, I mean, the way you attack issues concerning substance abuse, uh, in particular um, illegal drugs, is several fold. One is the demand side and the prevention side, so the most effective way to deal with substance abuse and drug overdose and drug abuse is dealing with prevention, which, and that means, that means everybody's responsible, parents, teachers, coaches, 
those who are in the ministry, everybody's responsible to make sure you spread the message. This is incredibly dangerous. And it's a hard message sometimes for young people who think they're invincible. Then secondly, is to limit the supply, and, and you limit the supply by either stopping it at point of manufacture, at the point of production, or you have law enforcement try to limit the supply by cracking down on those who are distributing drugs, and, and that's the point of one of the pieces of legislation, is that when someone, to your point, does someone know that they're, for example, distributing a, a drug that has fentanyl in it? Well, sometimes they may not. But if they've been convicted, if they've been convicted of distributing, for example, oxycodone um, that's laced with, with fentanyl, when they're convicted, what this bill would do is, is the judge would say to that person, look it, you've been convicted of distributing a drug. If you do it again, now you're on notice that that drug may kill someone. That drug may kill someone because it has fentanyl in it. And if you do it again and someone dies, you could be charged with a homicide, even up to and including second-degree murder. A similar bill got introduced last year and it didn't go through. What's what was the thoughts behind it not passing? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I don't sit and didn't sit on the committee that um, rejected the bill a year ago. It is similar. We're introducing one of the three bills that is similar to the bill from last year, except that, um, as I had heard, that it was overbroad, um, that it impacted young people. You know, one of the things that, that we want to do is we want to make sure we get to the drug dealers. We want to make sure that we get to the actual dealers, the people who, for example, sell drugs. Um, versus someone, still wrong, still wrong, but someone that says, hey, at a party, hey, you know, I've got three pills, do you want one to a friend or to a relative? Um, that, that kind of distribution is not the sort of insidious distribution that we're most focused upon. We're most focused upon those who make a lot of money by selling drugs. And so this year, we're going to focus on the sellers versus somebody who's just, you know, providing it to, to a friend or relative or something like that. So the, the source of this, when, when it goes back to Mexico, and we've heard some news that this, the material comes from China, too. I don't know if you're, you've heard about that. The, no, no, the I think raw the, material comes yeah, um, the precursor chemicals, the, the chemicals that are used to make it, um, I think once upon a time, China was the, the primary source of those precursor chemicals. Now I believe it's in Mexico. Hmm. And now the source, those people that are manufacturing it, those people know that these pills have? Well, certainly someone who puts fentanyl in a pill, they know, but it goes through several different people, ultimately, it gets the, to the point where someone actually ingests the, uh, the substance. But, to my point earlier, is that in terms of limiting the supply, there's several different places where you can go. One is to the point of manufacture, um, and even before that is to stop the precursor chemicals or identify the precursor chemicals that are coming into, for example, Mexico or coming into the United States to be able to identify who is, who's purchasing these precursor chemicals in unusual amounts that would indicate that they're doing something that's illegal with it. How did you end up taking on this bill? Why did you decide to get involved with this? Well, um, issues concerning drug abuse have been important to me for many, many years. I was a federal prosecutor. I served in Washington, D.C. as the, what was known as the Deputy Drug Czar. The Office of National Drug Control Policy is in the White House, and I served there for three years. So um, this, is a, this is an issue that affects millions and millions and millions of Americans. And so 
Um, I, I suppose I've been interested for a long time because, because of its prevalence and because of the harm that it, that it does to families and individuals. Um, and so as fentanyls become a bigger and bigger crisis, uh, I decided that, that I would do something about it, both in terms of making sure that, that those who sell fentanyl, um, that, that they are appropriately uh, punished, as well as the distribution points. So for example, one other bill deals with uh, social media platforms that are platforms where people sell illicit drugs, they sell fentanyl, they sell other things to have their uh, site taken down so that they can't do that anymore. Or also to encourage people to report uh, fentanyl use. So for example, another bill is, is if, if you are overdosing or you're witnessing someone overdosing or you know you purchase um, a, a pill and you test it, you can test now for fentanyl, you test it, it turns out there's fentanyl in it, you can call law enforcement and report um, that you've overdosed, that your friend is overdosed, or that you've purchased or received a, a, a pill that has fentanyl in it without that information being used against you. And the purpose is to encourage people to report that, and especially to encourage people to report early on if someone is overdosing or if they're overdosing. Now, in terms of awareness of the public, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that these type of bills don't get a lot of media mm -hmm. coverage. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've noticed? Like, um, Well, I think that that is true historically. I think in terms of fentanyl, I think that the level of interest in fentanyl has risen because, as we discussed earlier, is that its prevalence isn't just with the homeless. Its prevalence isn't just with certain demographic groups. Its prevalence is all over the place. You and I are sitting here in Orange County. It's a huge issue in Orange County. How big is it? Well, it, 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 it is. Because we don't see it. Our audience, you know, if you're not in it, if you're not in the network, and you may, you may even be very close to it. But yeah. Well, you do see it. I mean, if, if someone has a child that's in high school, someone has a child that's in college, Oxycodone is all over the place. That's a painkiller that is typically prescribed, but now is sadly relatively easy to get. And so people, if they don't see it, it, it may be because either they're not looking hard enough or that horrible situation hasn't visited them in a personal way. But there's not a community in California that's not impacted by fentanyl right now. And in terms of the mindset that we have with, uh, with drugs, in a sense, we, we've kind of legalized some of them. And these, these have some medicinal benefits, some, some drugs do, for, for certain people. But we have this mentality that we've legalized some and we look at them as medicine. And then we want to we wanna prevent others or the mm -hmm. bigger dosage. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on this? Well, all drugs are not alike. I mean, m marijuana is not at all like fentanyl. Marijuana is not at all like heroin. Um, and so we need to... I think the medical, I'm not a medical professional, but I think medical professionals need to tell us, okay, what is a safe way, what is a safe way to administer certain drugs? Oxycodone, it's a painkiller. Um, some people certainly needed, need, right? need painkillers, but what's a safe way to um, administer, to prescribe, to distribute um, that drug in a way that it doesn't get into the hands of folks who are, um, who are abusing? Uh, the same thing with, you know, historically, even drugs like cocaine were, were being distributed because we didn't recognize the harm. 
Uh, now, of course, it, it, it's regulated. Um, but different drugs have different um, uh, morbidity, mortality rates, that kind of thing. So there's not a one-size-fits-all prescription. So we have to figure out how to we have to figure out how to get the society to understand that one thing could be medicine, but it is not medicine in other cases. Well, or I think if there's a higher doses. Yeah, I think that the most effective way to deal with substance abuse, all kinds of substance abuse, is prevention. Um, basically, educating young people as to the awareness. You know, hey, you know, you may be thinking you're taking one thing, you may be taking something else. Two is that. To the extent that you have pain, you're trying to self-medicate pain, that, you know, that's, that's when you need to go to the doctor. That's not when you go to your friend and say, hey, you know, do you have anything for pain? Um, I think it's really important to educate young people that they should come forward. They should come forward. I, if they're seeing, you know, drugs being distributed, that kind of thing, um, not just for themselves, but for, for their friends, their family, that kind of thing. But it, it is... Um, it's hard. I mean, all of us were young once upon a time. No one wants to offend our friends. No one wants to be the tattletale. But um, if, if we create environments in the home and school where people are more comfortable feeling like they can come forward, um, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly help to mitigate this crisis. Now, can you tell us more about your bill? So, so it's going mm -hmm. to punish the drug dealers, right? Is that... Well, it's going to, uh, the, there's three. Um, the first one, the one that, that you had there's mentioned There's three of them about fentanyl. Okay. Yeah, there's three fentanyl bills. But the, the bill that, that says that if you've distributed fentanyl and you've been convicted of it, you're going to be told if you do this again and someone dies, you can be charged with um, a homicide. And the purpose of that is to make sure that the person who's dealing doesn't do it again. Or if they do do it again, they're going to be off the street for a very long period of time so they won't have the opportunity to distribute, to distribute uh, drugs. That's the purpose. The purpose is prevention. The purpose is to keep other people from dying. And one way to do that is to make sure that a drug dealer doesn't deal drugs again. And what about the other two? So the other two, um, oftentimes uh, people who are in the business of selling drugs use social media platforms um, where they... They communicate with a potential purchaser through social media. They connect, they negotiate a price, and they negotiate a delivery point. And those, uh, those dealers, they don't use the real name, of course, uh, but their handles or their social media um, accounts, that they're using. accounts, right, that, that the other bill says, look at if law enforcement, or actually even an individual says to you know, XYZ social media platform, somebody named XYZ is distributing fentanyl, then the um, social media platform will have 48 hours to take down that account. So that account can't be used anymore. Now, if it's a legitimate account, they can go and they, they can you know, plead with the social media platform to, to keep themselves up. But ultimately, if the media platform doesn't take it down, then you can go to court and um, for example, city attorney, prosecutor, even an individual can do what's known as enjoin them to stop them. And if they don't do it then, then the court can start issuing fines and penalties um, because they're in what's known as contempt. That's one bill. The other bill is, is, it, is it, it's to uh, make sure that people can report overdose, can report self-use or seeing someone else use without that 
that phone call without the information communicated in that phone call being used against them so that they're not inhibited when someone, especially when someone is overdosing from calling the police. Right now they're not doing that, right? They're afraid of getting in trouble. Right now people are afraid. Right now people are afraid if they see um, their friend who's overdosing at a party, they think if I call the police or if I call 911 and report it, it's somehow implicating myself and then if I've, for example, if I've also taken whatever substance that person's taken, that, that that will be used against me and I'll be arrested. And the purpose is to make sure that people know, look it, you can report someone who's overdosing without fear of that information being used against you. And in terms of these bills, what are your thoughts? Do you think they have a high chance of getting them passed? Uh, well, I think they've got a high chance of getting passed because I'm going to work very, very hard to make sure that I educate my fellow legislators as to how important they are. So, and that's my job. My job is, is part of the education process. But listeners, listeners also can make sure that, that their legislators are aware um, that there are bills in the legislature, there are three bills in the legislature that are currently pending and if they call their legislators and say hey listen I'm concerned about this crisis I'm concerned about my children I'm concerned about my community so please vote for these three measures does that work because our audience we, we we tell them to do things but is, is this gonna work if our audience call their legislature and ask them is, um, does that help I, I think it does work as a matter of fact I mean I know that um, when people call me I pay attention uh, we state senators have almost a million people in their district, um, but I'm I'm blessed with a with a very good staff. So if someone calls me and says, "Hey, you know, I am concerned about fentanyl, so you should vote for Senate Bill 44 or something like that," I pay attention. Yeah, I pay attention. And I think most legislators pay attention. I'll tell you what I really pay attention to. Somebody writes me a handwritten note. I really pay attention to that. Now, do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Oh, you've just hit upon the most important thought, is if, if this is of concern, they should contact their legislature, legislator. I know that folks think that um, often there's, this is a big problem, there's not much I can do about it, but that's not, that's not correct. This bill, the bill that we've been talking about, the bill that requires judges to admonish someone who's sold drugs, that if they do it again, they could be charged with a homicide, this was inspired by one man who was... Um, who was devastated by his daughter's uh, death. You know, she, purchased, um, she purchased what she thought was oxycodone online. Guy came over to the house, sold her the drug, um, and you know, 24 hours later, she was dead. That one individual, that one individual is, is making a difference. So I, I think one of the messages is that, that you know, individual advocacy does have an impact. So by taking action, talking to the state leaders, some, some of our audience have kind of, um, kind of see this big disconnect between our politicians and leaders and, and us. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I mean, I can understand that. I can understand people's frustration. I can understand people think, Ali G, you know, I'm just one in a million. As I said, every state senator represents almost a, a million people. Um, but I think that they would be surprised. They'd be surprised if they called their local legislator, their local member of the assembly, their local member of the state senate, their local member of Congress. I think they'd be surprised. I think most of us make it a point to um, listen to their concerns and to respond to their concerns. Now, 
I, I can't do everything that a million people want me to do, and there are some strong disagreements among people in my district. But there's no issue as to whether or not we should listen and, and be responsive, even if we don't agree with whatever point of view that, that particular voter or constituent may have. There's, there's no excuse for not responding to that person. It seems like we're, we have a really big political divide in terms of the, the people, even family members. What are your thoughts on this? Is it that, does it show up in the politics or in, in the state legislature or? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that is sad. I've been around for quite a long time. Uh, I was first elected in 1990. I've been out of office uh, for extended periods of time, but um, the world has changed and we've become more polarized, which is really, really, really sad that um, often we're not listening to others po other points of view. I try to listen to other points of view. I try to gather information from all sorts of sources. I'm a Democrat. Um, I watch TV that's geared towards Republicans because I want to know. I want to know what people are thinking. Now, um, we're fortunate. I, I serve in a body. The state Senate's only 40 people. And so I, I interact with virtually every member of the state Senate at least once a week, if not more often. It's just because we're so small. We sit on the floor together. We're in committees uh, together. And so I think that helps in large measure to, if not eliminate, certainly mitigate the acrimony. The personal attacks are very, very rare in our body. It's not like the House of Representatives in Washington. Um, that since we know one another, we know one another's families, that, that we focus on issues. Now we disagree. We disagree sharply on some things. But I found that you can disagree but not be disagreeable. I've also found that you're going to get a lot more done if you're focused on the policy versus the motive of the person or you, what you think is the motive of the person pursuing a certain policy measure. And that, that produces a, a better, better product. When we compromise, it produces a much better product for the public. Senator Tom Wilberg, it was great to have you on California Insider. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. If you like the show and our content, you should go to InsiderCA.com and sign up to our newsletter because we never know what can happen with social media and other platforms in terms of distributing our content. If you'd like to come on the show and be an insider, you can reach out to us at CAinsider at EpochTimesCA.com. Again, it's CAinsider at EpochTimesCA.com. We would love to have you on the show to tell us what's going on in your field in California. Thank you for watching. Please click the icon on the left to subscribe to our channel. We bring you the most pressing issues California is facing with straightforward and in-depth interviews. See you in the next video.